I'm Adam. This is 10K to Go. Today we're talking with Alex Grant and talking about the Park City Point to Point. Alex is the eight-time winner of the Point to Point. He's undefeated and he's got the course record. Alex has also placed third at Leadville. He's raced multiple World Cups. He was on the long list for the Rio Olympics in terms of mountain bike racing. He's done just about everything. He's a proud father of two. He's a great guy. He's a business owner of GearRush.com that sells consignment bike and snowboard ski gear. Uh, he was a pleasure to have on the podcast. So without further ado, let's hear how it all went down at the 2019 Park City Point to Point. All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah, before we get into the before we get into the point to point, I just want to kind of get some of your background and your history. Uh, you're 39, 38. Yeah, 39. I'll be 40 in April. 40. So it's coming. That's up a big quick. threshold. Yeah, I know. Well, your your results haven't really fallen off at all, so I guess it's not a problem. Yeah, I feel like the older I get, the more I learn. Um, and the more I have to pay attention to stuff that when I was younger, I, I didn't have to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, you it's know, always like you wish you knew what you know when you're older, when you were younger and strong and dumb. But that's how yeah, it you goes. know the young guys they just grip it and rip it. Yeah, exactly. And then you get older and you start playing it smart. Yeah. So looking over your past results, I mean, you've had a podium finish at Leadville. You've raced World Cups multiple times. Yeah. Uh, you were on the short list for the Rio Olympics. Is that uh, right? Long list for Rio. Yeah. And then injured. Yeah, then I got injured at the first qualifier, so that was kind of disappointing. Sorry. Put put the brakes on my really my whole like World Cup or like you know national cross country career at that point because my daughter was one, um, and you know with an injury like that, you know at the age, I was thirty six at that time, so that kind of like really was a long recovery and it put the brakes on uh, any like major travel. And since then, I've kind of stuck felt closer to home and I kind of pick and choose my events more yeah tell me about some of the world cups you've done um you know I've done Mont Saint Anne uh, I've done Wyndham I haven't done too many besides that I did world championships in uh, Andorra Um, but I used to travel you know to all the pro XCTs um, you know go to nationals every year yeah Um, you know I've done I've done a lot of races Uh, I've done stage races in Central America South America done bc bike race so i've kind of done a mix of cross country and then marathon endurance and some stage racing over my career i gotta i gotta ask that mont saint and course when you raced it did it have that same rocky technical section that everybody had a problem with this year yeah i think beatrice has been there every year that they've done that race and the crazy thing is is that in the in dry conditions beatrice isn't too bad when it gets wet, it is just treacherous. But there are some other sections of that course that are really hard to ride. And they're kind of in dark woods, so they don't have cameras on them. But I found when that course get gets wet, it's it's so hard. It was like the top of my abilities just to be able to ride the thing clean. And if you did, you were just stoked that you made it through every lap. Yeah, that's exactly the impression I was getting. You know, when you see guys at that level putting a foot down or maybe even getting off their bike, yeah. you know it's serious. Yep, definitely is. It's a fun one, though. It's great. So before we get into point to point, one other thing, I got to give you congrats, and we got to touch on Crusher this year a little bit. Oh, thanks. I mean, you had that one in the pipe for a long time, and it all came together. Yeah, yeah, that one was uh, took a little longer for me to have some 
some good success there, uh, but it was uh, it was even more so, rewarding, I guess, when it happened. So yeah, I finally in got the past, a win there. You, you, yeah, you had mechanicals, which you know that's always out of your control, and you, maybe you had some health, you know, challenges in previous years. Yeah. Did it come together this year because you deliberately did something different, or was it just kind of roll of the dice that finally happened? Uh, I think I finally was able to focus on it a bit more, whereas it used to be just something I would throw in. As not an afterthought, but definitely not something that I'd really be able to focus on with my mountain bike season. It would just be like, oh, yeah, time to get the cross bike out, dust it off, and go race Crusher. But this year, I didn't really travel very much in June. I had really no races on the schedule from um, the middle of May until the end of June. So I had a good solid month at home, and I just, it, it was still really snowy up high here. There was a lot of snow on the mountain bike trails. So I was riding my curly bar bikes a lot. I was riding road bike and I was riding the cross bike um, up some canyons. And I just thought, hey, wow, this is like maybe the best prep I'll get for Crusher. So I really, I tried to focus on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a fit also on my road bike and my cross bike. And I'd, I'd never been that comfortable on drop bars, um, whether in the hoods or on the drops and, and just my position was not dialed, so I went down to see Jeff Sherrod at Precision Bike Fit, and he got me really dialed on uh, on all my all my bikes, really, and that was a big difference for me, just being comfortable on on road style bars um, with my position and my seat fore and aft, like made a lot of big changes, and it helped. Yeah, I can imagine, a ton. especially I mean, in any event, but especially in something like that, that exposes any weakness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, I feel like I was able to actually focus on it, and it, it paid off. I was really stoked. Well, I don't know how many people are familiar with the race, but to give it some credibility, the start list the start list always has talent, but this year was kind of ridiculous. I mean, you had Alex Howes, the new U.S. pro road champ from EF Education First, yeah. Eddie Anderson from Hoggins Berman Action. I think he was on the podium at a Belgian waffle ride, wasn't he? I think he was. He was. I think he was second to Peter Stetna there. Yeah. Then you got Jamie Driscoll, who's always a force. Zach Calton coming yep. back as a returning champ. Uh, T.J. Eisenhart, a road racer for Holowesco Citadel, Utah yep. fan favorite. Uh, Lance Haydet, U.S. U23 national road champion. Gage Hecht, U.S. or Pan Am cross champ. Travis yep. McCabe, Eric Marcotte. I mean, geez. Yeah, there was a lot of hitters for sure. Yeah, I actually <laughs> thought it was interesting. Um, I was like, wow, I guess this might say something for the the state of like road racing in the U.S. right now when you have your current just freshly crowned U23 and elite national champions racing on gravel two weeks after the nationals. I mean, you know? not just that, but you've got road national champions, past road champions, crit champions. Yeah. I mean it's kind of the resume of American cycling right now. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's just, it just goes to show how strong gravel events like the Crusher are um, yeah. and how much they're growing. And uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Eric is, I don't know, he might be your age, maybe a year or two younger, but you got to be the oldest one on that list. I might be. Yeah. I wasn't sure when I looked at the, yeah, you're right. You, I think you're right. I, I definitely, uh, I didn't see a lot of upper thirties on there. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of lower twenties. <laughs> Old man strength finally. Comes so did that? For me. Did that get in your head at all? Standing on the start line that day, or no big deal? Ah, uh, no, no big deal. I, 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 don't know, I feel young still, so it's all right. Give, give me the uh, 
two-minute rundown of Crusher. Um, what decided the race? Yeah, Crusher is one of those where you kind of have to be patient, which as a mountain biker and a cyclocross racer, sometimes, you know, it's tough because we just, when they say go, we just pin it. And uh, at Crusher, you, you got to kind of be smart and conserve. And, uh, you know, there's always a break that goes or a couple guys go early and then, you know, we sort of roll real slow and they get a bunch of time and we sort of hit that first climb and there's there's usually someone that's going to ride hard and make a little selection and this this year that was Eddie Anderson he was really just setting a nice tempo and really thin the group down to you know I don't know if we got down to 10 guys maybe on that first first long climb and then uh, when we hit the rolling stuff at the top it eases up a bit and we had some guys come back so then you know then we had a pretty solid group of maybe 15 at the midpoint of the race you know it'll break up going down the cold to crush just because you know it's chaos and rocks are flying guys feet are coming unclipped and once we got to the bottom and hit the feed zone we were all back together um and i was you know just really trying to pay attention i know that race is it's really hard at the end and the main thing for me was just paying attention to eat and drink a ton early in the race to just get ready for you know that cold to crush coming back up and then all that climbing to the finish so I felt like I did that really well, and then when we hit the Sarlacc pit, you know, I was putting in a couple, uh, not like attacks, or just like a tester, tester uh, moves just to see who was, who else wanted to ride, and uh, Alex House came right to the front after me, and he set a, a great tempo, actually broke it down to about five of us, um, and that's kind of how it went into the last, well, main climb there with the cold to crush, um, and Alex was on the front, and then it got even, you know, maybe we were down to four guys, and then I was on the went to the front and gave it a, you know, good effort, and, you know, I could hear Eddie back there kind of starting to suffer, so I twisted it a bit more, and he came off, so then it was just Alex and I, and we traded a couple times, and it was one of those moments where I could tell he was getting tired, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I think that's a gap, I, I gotta keep going, so I just put my head down and kept going, I had no idea what the time gap sort of the finish. I just kind of, you know, tried so to So at that in, point, did you feel like, oh, yeah, this is my year? I was I was not sure until I got inside of the finish line. I looked back and didn't see anybody, but I kept hope. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm rolling good. I can tell I'm rolling good. Like, they're going to have to ride faster than this to catch me. I couldn't see anyone back there. And, you know, no one will get dropped on purpose. There's always a reason you're going to get dropped. So, you know, I figured, well, they must have been cracked. So... If, if they were cracked and uh, they got dropped, then that must mean they're blown. So I just kept hoping, and sure enough, yeah, I was able to stretch it out. Um, and I had about three minutes at the finish, maybe three, four minutes. Oh, a solid win. Thanks. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I was real happy to win that. I mean, I love I love that event. Burke's really built something special there with the Crusher. Um, and I, it was an honor to win it, that one I'm really proud of. So Yeah, and it, it just feels better to have given it a swing for a couple years and not come through and then finally get it that makes it taste even better yep that one's crushed me many times so (laughs) i was yeah finally all right well let's talk about point to point for sure but first gear crush tell me about gear crush oh gear rush or sorry i'm reading two different things on my screen here gear rush yeah gear rush i uh it's a um, consignment shop here in salt lake that i that i co-own and manage and uh we are uh, mainly based online, so we sell all kinds of outdoor gear, 
on eBay. Um, and we'll just take in any kind of outdoor gear, cycling stuff, ski stuff, climbing, you know, really trying to focus on the high-end stuff. Um, and then we'll just uh, take professional photos, list it online, and then uh, we'll do all the legwork, customer service, shipping, all that, and then we'll just mail out a check. So, uh, Yeah, I actually jumped on the website and browsed around, and I was really impressed with the uh, just the amount of inventory and quality stuff. Yeah, it's really been growing. We've, we've just moved locations this winter, and we're in more of a warehouse spot. We're really trying to get more efficient with our storage and everything, and, you know, we've been... St- sort of steadily uh, growing and refining for eight years now. So in the winter time, is it mostly ski, snowboard, backcountry type gear, and then spring and summer it shifts over to bike, or what's it like? Um, you know, we do we tend to do more ski stuff in the winter, but it's definitely not the majority of what we do. Cycling, even all in the winter, we sell cycling stuff year round, just because you know southern states, Arizona, Florida, California, Texas, and you know sure. any southern states. Even our, southern Utah. That's prime riding season, so yeah. um, we ship a ton of stuff out all over the country and all over the world. So, yeah, bike bike stuff always sells. Is that GearRush.com? Yep, GearRush.com. Two R's in the middle. Uh, check us out if you have stuff to sell or you need to pick up some new gear. Cool. Um, you're on Cannondale and Envy as well, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of a privateer at this point in my career. I've got support from Cannondale. Um, I've actually been riding on Cannondale for this is my. 11th season I think um, started in 2009 and so yeah same with Envy I've been with those guys a long time since 2014 um, and then uh, you know I've got Hyper Threads for apparel and uh, you know Carbo Rocket Enduro Bites Honey Stinger um, cool. a lot of uh, little nutrition sponsors that make a huge difference too yeah I'll, I'll link to all these in my show notes cool. um, by the way yeah that Hyper Threads Gear Rush Cannondale kit at point to point looked really sharp, sharp even though it was completely filthy at the end of the race. <laughs> yeah I know that was, well, that white got a little dirty but, yeah uh, it's yeah. brave to wear a white kit but it looked good yeah for sure actually those guys are awesome they, they made those custom for Crusher and uh, it has their new Venture bib a bib that has some pockets in the back and on the sides um, and oh. a nice lightweight jersey and so we Jack and I were wearing that for Crusher and it was perfect for point to point too yeah Okay, eight-time point-to-point champ, yes. 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you took three years off, and yep. then you won 18, and you won this year. Yeah. yeah, I never would have imagined that. You know, I thought every year after, you know, built up to four or five, and then six, you know, that first run, I was like, well, my <laughs> luck's going to run out at this one, one of these years. Um and so, yeah, after, I mean, 2015, I went to World Championships in Andorra, so I missed the event that year. Uh, but that's sort of when the, the hunt for Rio was starting, and that was like a unique opportunity that I kind of had to jump on, even if I was a long shot. Yeah. Uh, so I, I missed it that year, and then the following year, I was, it was when I broke my calcaneus, so I was still, I think I'd have been off the bike for like four months. Um, when the point-to-point rolled around, I was just barely getting back to pedaling, so definitely not happening in that year. And then 2017, um, our second daughter was born two days before the race, so yeah, that wasn't happening. No way. No. Um, we were just barely getting home from the hospital, so yeah, to come back in 18 and and get the win again. Um, I was beyond stoked, and then I, yeah, just doing it. You know, one more year, I just keep wondering, like, okay, how long is it going to last? But 
So we'll have to keep it going one more year. Yeah, so this is the 10th year, or I guess 11th year, but of course over the course of 11 years they, they tweak the course, the trails get improved or yep. changed, and there's there's different you know weather events. But I'm looking at your finishing time, and it's it's it, pretty much every year you just got faster and faster. Yeah, um, for sure. They, they, they refined the course a bit over the years. So even during that first, those first six years I did it, you know, the first year we did it in 2009 was, that was the slowest time, but it was the hardest course still, in my opinion. It was harder than any subsequent year. We, we did a ton more stuff over at Deer Valley. We actually climbed up Aspen Slalom, which is one of the lift service downhill trails, right under the lift. We climbed up that all the way to the top. We would do this loop out on this trail called Bow Hunter and some other stuff way up at Upper Deer Valley and then come all the way back down to Silver Lake again. So we'd go through Silver Lake twice, wow. then go over and climb up and then do the TGs. I mean, it was a, a whole bunch more. <laughs> so Yeah, it's like that's an extreme endurance. endurance yeah, thing. like it was, I think I was seven hours, four minutes that year, which yeah. sounds, it looks slow compared to this year. I was six hours and six, but it was... A whole bunch more and then so over the course of the years you know it's sort of evolved and I think the course flows better now it's it rolls faster and it flows better you know there's more momentum to be had out there than rather than just grinding up steep stuff yeah um, like we were doing then so yeah you know I don't think the course has ever been the exact same um, there was one year in 2012 when it rained the morning of it just poured and so Round Valley was muddy and so they delayed the start an hour and they took out like five miles of Round Valley. So that year it was five hours and 50 minutes. And yeah. that's, I mean, technically that's my fastest time, but it's kind of hard to count it because they did remove some of the cores. Yeah. You know, but then you look at these subsequent years, like the past 2017, 18 and 19, it was a new finish altogether. So we didn't, we didn't drop down to the canyons and have to do like this little additional climbing, but we did have to do a whole bunch of additional descending so the, at the end so yeah the, the course past, this year is the same as 18 and 17 yeah as far as i'm aware it's the same it's almost exactly the same as 18 like very minor changes like yeah just like a couple little things around construction gotcha. and then as far as 17 to 18 you know i really i i didn't do it in 17 but i think it's almost identical as well um just maybe the finish was slightly different like it finished in a field and this year we finished like behind skull candy so, well, granted there is changes, but I'm gonna let's take out the outlier of 2012, mm-hmm. and with 2019, you set a new course record: six hours, six minutes, eleven seconds. Yeah, it was like under a minute faster than Keegan's time. He was like yeah. six fifty-three or so, or six oh six fifty-three. He was six oh six fifty-seven. Okay, so yeah, it's so, like right there. So you know, over a six-hour sure event, it doesn't get much closer than that. Yeah, exactly, and I'm sure he'll come out and smash my time sometime in a couple <laughs> of years as well. Well, well, you, you know, know nine-time time champ, champ sounds pretty good. <laughs> it does. So, who knows? Yeah, what we need to have, 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 have a showdown. showdown. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So let, let's talk about the race. I was at the start line watching y'all line up, and uh, the gun go off. Everybody was flying. You go out in Round Valley, and then tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. So Round Valley is always kind of a. No one wants to be the one putting on too much pressure that early because it's such a long race. So you just got to try to stay near the front, but still like really keep it as mellow as possible. And this year it was actually pretty fast paced. There were some guys 
kind of pushing it on some of the climbs and really pushing the descents. You know, it was kind of dusty. So I think some guys knew that some guys, we might get dusted out a few wheels back and maybe have a crash or, you know. So I felt like people were putting the pressure on right away. So I just tried to stay, you know, top five, six wheels. Um, I really was trying to be careful um, and because it was dusty and with the sun at a low angle and the dust, it's hard to see. So I just kept thinking, well, all right, so if I lose a little bit of time or like let a small gap open up, it's a safer bet not to like crash or flat on a rock you don't see than it is to try to like, you know, really hold that wheel or, you know, keep that 10 seconds or so I, yeah, you know, I've always, yeah, it's a super long day. So I try to take that approach to the, to the early stages. Um, and so, yeah, we rolled through round Valley and then, you know, there was a, a point where yeah, I got dusted out. It was sun. I couldn't see. So maybe a little gap opened up and, I closed that right as soon as we got back to the bike path. Um, yeah, so you head back up the bike path. It's only probably half a mile, right? Yeah, pretty short bike path. Um, and then, and then you, we you're back on the trail. Jump right into yeah the lost prox lost prospector stuff. And in the past, um, when the fields were a little bit less competitive, I used to jump right to the front there, and just like kind of give it a decent effort and try to break it up and break it down to you know, three, two, three of us, or however many were looking to ride. Um, and this year it was, we were still a pretty big group after okay. that. And I didn't, there were some guys that really seemed like they wanted to get to the front there. So I just, I think I jumped in there like fourth or something. As long as I'm staying in those top, you know, five, six positions and there's no gaps opening up, I'm fine with that. Um, and just, you know, there was a couple times where people would, would blow a corner or whatever. And that, creates a little chaos and then but it all just came back together after that section and we hit that little bit of road before we start climbing up to snow top yeah so you get you're saying uh down by those solomir tennis courts yeah so we pop out there hop on the road that's a good time to eat something um you know drink some more kind of stretch the back and then get ready because you know we're going to be climbing up to snow top and then down and then it's up deer crest so so at this point i really just want to nail it down to it's you fernando reveras and kyle trudeau from cz racing yeah and zach calton zach was there there was a, another couple guys in the mix too um justin lindine was there um i'm just trying to think of there was a another couple guys as well um that would kind of yo-yo off the group but those were the main people in the group yeah yeah so you're uh, heading up the hill. It looked like Zach had got some, some sort, sort of a gap on a descent right around mile 23, and he, he actually held that gap for a little while through a few switchbacks. Yeah, I think that's when... So we popped off the pavement and started going up, uh, or we actually have to go down a little descent, yeah, before the deer crest switchbacks. And Zach was leading there. He was all day. I mean, I got to hand it to him. He really... He would give it to jump into the trail first and put the pressure on the descent. He was trying to force mistakes, uh, which is a smart strategy, you know, like he definitely took the race to everybody and he was causing mistakes. I mean, Fernando blew a corner uh, right there. He kind of blew off the trail and fell right in front of me. Um, and, you know, he got back on, but we, you know, there was a gap that had opened up. So, um, you know, and Zach was really ripping the DH. So, you know, he, he held that gap and then he held it into the climb. Uh, but it was closed down uh, pretty quick. Oh, yeah, Sam Sweetser was a guy who was there, too, local Park oh, City okay. guy. So he actually, I think he was ahead of Zach 
going into those switchbacks. So I, I looked up, I saw Sam leading up Deercrest with, with Zach's second wheel, and then Fernando and I closed down, um, and then we were all back together there. And we sort of just the group rolled all the way to, to Silver Lake after that. Yeah, so I, I had made it up to Silver Lake. I'm sitting there watching. You roll through, and at that point, you could tell who, who was in for the battle. Yeah, it was a decently small group there, for sure. Um, those guys definitely grabbed a bottle and then punched it right after the feed zone. I grabbed a... So I'd been wearing a hydration pack for the first two and a half hours, or 2.15, or whatever. And it's not because I it's hot then. It's because it's hard to drink on all that trail, and... I know if I have a pack, I just, I'll drink more. So yeah. I drank as much as I could in my pack, and then I actually got a new pack at Silver Lake. Um, so I, I had to put that pack on and throw my other pack. Um, so I grabbed that, and then, you know, I, I think I ate some chews and, um, you know, had a big drink. And then, you know, I looked up, and yeah, they, those guys were kind of already in the trail. So it took me... Yeah, it looked like they opened up a little gap on you. Yeah, pretty pretty minor, though. I was pretty relaxed, though, the whole early part of the race. Like, I... I know how long the race is, and I know that no little gap caused by that is going to decide the race. And also, I mean, I was eating and drinking, and, you know, they were maybe pinning it to get up into the trail. So in the long run, that strategy is going to work. So, I mean, I've done the race enough times to know how important that is to have yeah, energy. Your veteran and, knowledge came in in that moment. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, okay, you know, I know the race really comes down to that last 20 miles. So whatever you can do to prepare yourself and be the most fueled and ready for that is so you get some you get some you get a fresh pack you get some food in you you start tapping out a rhythm start pulling them back yeah i was able to pull it back whenever we got to pedaling sections and that's another thing like that that kind of gives me the confidence like anytime they a little gap would open i was able to just shut it down without like a huge effort or feeling like i was overextending myself so the, you know you do that enough times and you're like all right yeah i'm on a good day so i'm not going to worry i'm just going to make sure i'm doing my my race doing my nutrition yeah. plan and just you know but also i couldn't let those guys out of sight so i definitely had right. to keep in sight and uh we when we were going up team big bear um justin lindeen was really setting a great pace and so he actually split it up even more and it was down to four of us after that fernando kind of popped at the top yeah, it looked up. like Fernando popped right around mile 31. Was it just didn't have it in the tank, or did he go down? Or No, he just kind of on the on that climb. Um, he doesn't love riding at altitude, and so we started getting up to over 8,000 feet. And I don't know if that was it, or he just all of a sudden that was the time when he started having a bad moment. Well, but yeah, he, so we had to get around him. Yeah, then, fast uh, forward to uh, PCMR, when, when Fernando rolled in, he was in tough shape, and I, I think he ended up DNF in that day. But, I mean, to his credit, he came out a week later and, and uh, raced down here in Arizona and did a great job, so it must have just been an off day. Yeah, off day, you know, maybe not his style, like, you know, all that climbing at a high altitude. He doesn't yeah. love that either, so. But, yeah, he's a super strong rider. So, yeah, once he, he kind of came off, it was then you know, Kyle Trudeau, Justin Lindeen, Zach, and I. Um, and yeah, same thing. I mean, going into the Boulder descent there before the TGs, like it was like, I mean, those guys were racing for that single track, like that, you know, to get in there first and put pressure on. And, um, so I just, yeah, I think I jumped in there third, fourth wheel and just tried to follow. And then same thing going down, um, Corvair and, uh, Sam's and all those descents. Uh, 
Zach was it leading. It looked like Zach had a little gap going down that descent. Is he? Is that kind of his specialty, or? I think he just that he was on a mission and he was trying to put pressure on. He was like, I think that was his mindset, like put the pressure on, like make force mistakes, like maybe who knows, maybe I'm you know like chasing and dusty and can't see and then because uh, yeah. it was dusty out there, so I had to be sure to like leave. Sometimes I'd have to leave a gap just so I was sure I could see. Um, didn't make a you know blow off the trail and make a dumb mistake, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean I would keep the gaps pretty small and was able to close them down. And we hit that Empire Link. By the time we got to the bottom of the descent, started going up the Empire Link trail. It was like we were right all back together. So yeah, um, he actually set a great pace up that climb too. Um, and you know I just sat there and I was just like stuffing food in my face, and I was wondering you know like dang you know he's really. He's on a mission. You could tell. So you never know how it's going to go down. Um, yeah, so that was one of my questions. At what point in the race did you kind of say to yourself, oh, this might be different than your past? I mean, uh, I, that was right we around. We might have uh, some talent here that's going to take me to the line. Yeah, right around John's, I actually clipped a tree with my handlebar and crashed. Like, And that when that happens, like you're going from in the groove racing, and then next thing you know, you're on the ground. Yeah. So, I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, all right. Then. And so I had to collect myself and, like, get my bike up and make sure it was all right. Got going again, and those guys were out of sight. Um, so I'm like, well, all right. And uh, yeah, at that thinking, point... you're uh, thinking, this is weird. Yeah, I was like, you know, okay, well, just ride my own race, Bill. So at that point, the, it was had only been three of us, but Justin Lindine caught up to me when I crashed. So then I led him down, and we popped out, and we start climbing. I'm like, I don't see those guys. So it's like, okay, don't panic, because I mean, the one thing that could also kill me is if I just like went all in and then blew up trying to catch. So I just sort of, you know, up the pace. I I was still eating and drinking and uh, just focusing like not to panic, because um, I knew that climb up the steps is hard. And I, I think I closed half the gap down, you know, pretty quick, and then I sort of let it sit. And then, you know, even like right as I was catching back on, it was right around the beginning of steps or a little before, like Zach just stood up and then hit it. So like, yeah, he, he was, he saw me back there and he, you know, that he probably knew I was in a crisis, like trying to catch. So smart move on his part, but you know, I was able to stay right with him and um, we were all, all together out in steps and then going over to Shadow Lake and around the top of Shadow Lake, Kyle started to come off and I was third wheel at that point with Zach leading and I had to just get around Kyle and then just followed Zach up the So did Ladine make it up there with you? No, he actually as soon as we started climbing after John's, he was kinda okay. off the pace. Um so we never saw him after that. Yeah, it looked like Kyle got popped off your group with I mean it couldn't have been more than a quarter of a mile from the top. Yeah, really close to the top. So um yeah, it was he almost made it. <laughs> and he kept it pretty close on the descent. Um but Zach was really uh, riding a great great descent, keeping it smooth and um, you know, I followed Zach down and then near the bottom of, of, uh, the, the CMG descent, it was getting super dusty and I was like trying to drink and, and throw some chews in my mouth. And like, next thing I knew, like, Oh, there's a little gap and like getting kind of dusted out, couldn't see and didn't also want to like, it was, gets pretty rocky down there. So I didn't want to tag a rock. Um, so I was trying to also be safe. So Zach got another like 10 seconds maybe or so by the bottom. So he went through that feed zone maybe 10 seconds ahead of me. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we just start climbing up and then we got into the woods, 
heading over towards Armstrong on I think Silver Spur maybe is the name of the trail. And all of a sudden this dude on a bike just was coming up the trail screaming at me. Throwing like F words at me and getting in the way. Uh, and he was just so mad. I think Zach had probably not yielded, of course, because we're racing. And then, you know, no, I'm not blaming Zach. So like, yeah. like the second guy gets the brunt. Like he was so pissed that I, because I was going to do the same thing. I wasn't going to yield because we're racing. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, whoa, this guy's so mad. So like, I had to kind of like move over and like let this guy by as he's yelling at me. And so I'm like, we're racing here. Sorry, man. Like I hope someone should have told yeah, and you. Yeah, you're but... what four and a half hours in at this point. Yeah. So yeah, and kind of like, a, and I'm like trying not to panic because I trying to close a gap and so. Anyway, got that, got through that, and then start climbing, and I couldn't see Zach right away, so another moment of like, oh, how's this going to go down? Because, yeah, like, I've had a couple years where I, like, one year, Josh Tostado skipped that feed zone at PCMR. He just blew right through it, and I stopped because it was a hot year, and I just was thinking, like, well, that's a gamble on his part. So I stopped and got fresh stuff, and then caught Josh like halfway up Armstrong so I'd been in that position before where I was down on Armstrong I think one year Tinker Tinker Juarez also had time on me going to that climb because he did the same thing but in my experience you just cannot go into that last 20 miles without stopping to get some stuff so man talk um, about a gamble yeah I don't know and the year Josh did it he's like yeah I thought it was only 20 miles I'd be fine I'm like only 20 miles that's a hard 20 miles hottest five yeah yeah so anyway, yeah, I caught up to Zach, and I just was like, "Well, All so right. hold on." So when, it, as far as I could see, when you turned on Armstrong, you were about twenty seconds back from Zach. Yeah. And on that trail, he's definitely out of sight at that point. Yeah, he was out of sight. Did he? You know, when you come out of that feed station, if you're standing at the feed station, it looks like a vertical wall that you have to go up. Yeah. Do you think he hit that? as hard as he could to try to get a gap or was he just right in pace and because um, of that traffic on the trail the gap opened to me it looked like a hard pace but he didn't just like no it wasn't a full punch okay. um, i think the gap the extra 10 ish seconds might have come from that guy that was yelling um yeah. and i had to kind of move over and slow down and then there were some other hikers like it was just like a weird point of the race but like he had to deal with that same thing so you know who knows what yeah it could have been a little combination of those you know, all those things, but either way, yeah, like once I, there was one point where I couldn't see him on this long straight, and I was like, well, I don't know, maybe I won't catch him, but then all of a sudden I saw him, and he was coming back pretty quick. Uh, blood in the water. Yeah, and so then, yeah, at that point, like, I mean, that was the, I mean, I guess the other times, that was the second time where I really caught him, where he had a gap, and I'm sure he wasn't going easy to, like, you know, he was trying to get away, and I caught him again, and so that's kind of demoralizing if you're, like, you know, you've been off the front and you get caught again. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's both. I mean, it takes the wind out of his sails and you're thinking, okay. Yeah. I was like, all right, swing at me and I shut it down. Yeah. And so I sat behind him and ate and drank a bit and then just started giving it some gas on upper Armstrong, kind of at the same spot where I got away last year. And then it's just from there. It's just brutal. It's, I don't know, whoever can suffer the most. So at this finish. point in the race, yeah. with how hard it is, was that because you opened a gap on him and it grew pretty quick? Was, was that a deliberate attack, or is or is that even possible uh, in a no, race like this? Is it just hate? Yeah, okay. I mean it's like a pretty weak attack if you're fresh, but I mean at that point in the race, it's a hard. It was a hard attack. I mean, but not like 
it, it wasn't like a sprint, but it was definitely yeah. punchy, and I definitely was up the pace a ton. So I mean, you committed to it. Yeah, yeah. It was all in that, or it wasn't going to work. So I, I think I opened yeah, a minute or something, and then, you know, then it's, of course, you got to traverse this iron mountain stuff. It's so rocky. Yeah, just I've, I've heard it's just all rock. Yeah, so the key there is just, like, I just got to keep the upper body loose so you, like, don't, like, seize up the forearms and the shoulders and stuff. So try to stay relaxed. And then you know, then it's, like, just climb up uh, the backside of Iron Mountain that's also really rough. And, like, that one I just, you just got to just, like, just kind of tell yourself, all right, this is it. Just go all in. So I, like, kept pushing super hard up that. And then I tried to get some recovery coming down the descent there that's uh i think it's called uh i can't remember the name of it um but it's just all it is is switchbacks and it's rocky um so i just tried to get some recovery there and i, I might have lost a little time because i was just trying to uh, safe. you know keep drinking and, and just like get my legs back under me and then uh, yeah you know when, when i was kind of tracking this race i'm thinking okay alex attacks he opens up a gap that's the end of it but Zach didn't really give up at all. No. He gets to that descent section where he's thrived all day, and he was definitely still focused on pulling you back because he did close it up a little bit. I think he brought the gap down to 30 seconds. Yeah, I really don't know how close he got. I mean, I don't know. 30 seconds, I feel like I would might have seen him or heard him, okay. and I never did, so I wasn't really sure. Yeah, I don't know if it was a minute or whatever, but no I, I never did see him after the first um, move, but I could hear someone yelling at one point. And I was like, yeah, that's about a minute. So, like, and that was right after that section. So I definitely was, like, still running. And, like, I knew, like, yeah, just how hard that whole traverse is. Like, just staying on the pedaling and then keeping it smooth. I kept eating and drinking. And, um, you know, we finally get over to the, uh, like, I guess the top of the Olympic Park there. There's that new section where you do, like, a, a little traverse and then a couple switchbacks. And I see Zach's dad. Um, and he's like, you want some water? And I was like, whoa, I was actually good at the moment. I had some water. So I was like, no thanks, you know. And um, that was pretty cool. He even offered yeah, me Yeah, that's some. classy. And, uh, yeah, so then I'm like, we climb, I climbed up another couple switchbacks and then did a little bit of traversing. And then I hear him just like, go, Zach. He's like yelling. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, well, you know, there he is. So I kind of could time it there. And I, I had it figured at like 90 seconds. Yep. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, that's still close. Like for that long of a race, I mean, I could have, if I fell apart, like I knew I was going to fall completely apart, but I mean, if so I, this was probably around mile 65, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or even more, you know, like, I don't know if it was six, I don't know how much is left after that. You know, Yeah, you still got plenty of road left to ride. Yeah. It was mostly actually switchbacky trail at that point going or, down. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just got plenty of, of riding to do. Yeah. And so I was like, well, okay, it's probably, you know, 25 minutes or something to the finish. And I looked at some of the splits and I think we rode that last down, descent, all that section within like a second of each other. So at, at that point, it's really hard to close time. And I knew as long as I stayed smooth, then, you know, I was going to be able to take it. So the main thing I didn't, I didn't want to blow a corner, fly off the trail or get flat or anything dumb. So I just, you know, fast but smooth um, and just focused. So that last part's a lot of mental focus because of how there's so many switchbacks and you have to kind of, you do have to punch it out of all of them going down. So it's still pedally. And then it's also, it's monotonous because of the switchbacks. So you have to 
just keep focused and keep on it. Um, and then you hit, uh, I think it's called uh, Iron Bill. It's one of the last ones, and it's so rocky and rough. Uh, so that one was, that's, that's always tough. That, that one's like a, yeah, it's a descent. And so if you look at the course profile, you're like, oh, yeah, that, you just descend so and finish. This, but no, it's a big effort still. At um, this moment, you're almost there. You're, you're feeling like you got it locked up. But physically, how was it feeling compared to mile 70 of prior years? I mean, did you, were you thinking, yeah, I've, I've had to dig deeper to get this than any of them? Or? Uh, yeah, def- definitely was feeling it more than last year, 2018, because of the heat. We didn't have to deal with the heat as much in 2018. It was really cool all day. So uh-huh. I, was, I was feeling not fresh, but I was not really suffering. Uh, but this year was just so hot. So yeah. I definitely was getting those twi- twinges of like calf cramps and um, making sure I could kind of kept trying to stretch out and not cramp and yeah I was I was hurting more than than average I would say just because of the heat and because of the pace. Yeah. So I mean you're, there's that last descent coming down in you're pretty much there. Zach at that point had only pulled back five or ten seconds. I mean it was it was pretty much a done deal. Yeah, I mean, once we got, once I got down and, you know, like, we crossed this road, and so you can kind of hear people cheering at that road, and then I disappeared into the trail, did some switchbacks, hadn't heard anyone cheering, and I was like, all right, that's, that's enough time, so then it's like a three to, three-ish minute descent on, like, BYOB or something, it's a super fun, flowy trail, so I got to enjoy that, it's still, like, it's still not in the bag, you know, like, you, you know that, like, you still got to get through it, um, but when I hit the bike path, and then it's just like a one-minute section of trail to the finish, I turned around, didn't see anyone. I'm like, all right, there we go, wrapped up now. Um, and again, you know, I was rolling across like that last little stretch, and I got some see my kids, my wife and kids, and my parents were standing there, like a you know 100 meters before the finish. So pretty stoked at that moment for sure. Oh yeah, it all looked good. So you came through 6:06:11. Zach came through a minute and 28 seconds later at 6.07.39, and then Kyle Trudeau came in at 6.11.51. I was talking to Kyle after the race, and he he ex- mentioned that he got popped off up at the top, and he said, man, I, I rode the second half of the race all by myself. I didn't know if I was going fast. I don't know if I was slow. I didn't know if I was gaining or losing ground. It was just a lonely day. So for him to only be five or five and a half minutes back from you, I thought was was pretty good on his part oh yeah super solid that was a really fast time i mean i don't know i think i would have put him in second or something last year so yeah it's a shame that uh, he couldn't just hold on over the top who knows you know what he would have been able to do on the way down and ride together with you guys yeah yeah i know you never know but yeah maybe another year yeah well i know he's he's had a rough couple years with uh he had a leg issue. I think he had an iliac artery issue, and so he's coming back from that, and he's had some bad luck here and there, but he's yeah, just for a phenomenal sure. no, rider. He's, he's super talented, so I I totally expect to see him back even yeah. stronger in the future. Well, is it on the calendar for next year? Uh, it's on the calendar, but I honestly don't know. I mean, there's part of me that that says, you know, why why do it again when I can go out on top and sort of, you know, yeah. like only chances are, I mean, I've had zero flats. I've only had minor crashes. I've had no other mechanicals. Like that's pretty lucky run. So I don't know. Part of me says, Hey, maybe I quit while you're ahead on this one. We'll see though. We will yeah. see. 
Well, also you got two little kids and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing too. It's like, well, when it gets harder and harder to prepare for these long ones, the time needed, you know, with the kids getting older and able to do more stuff. So, um, yeah, right now it's kind of, yeah, I'm at a weird point, like post season trying to figure out, you know, if I, if I race, uh, it'll be just one more summer that I do, you know, yeah. elite, elite mountain bike racing. So we'll see what, what that entails next summer. Well, I might be coming up to Utah this winter to hit a couple cross races, so maybe oh, I'll see you out there. Yeah, for sure. Those are ones where, yeah, like it's only an hour and I can bring the kids and, you know, yeah, my, my daughter does uh, kitty cross and she loves it, so I'll be out, out at some of those for sure. Uh, well, the final thing, just to recap your race, I was looking at your power curve on Strava and it looks like you just paced it so well. Um, what, what What's your rate, your weight at? Like 140? Yeah. 140 pounds? Yeah. Okay, so your watts per kilo at one hour was 3.75. At five hours, it was 3.45. So Not too bad. No, I mean, you yeah. just held it all the way through. Yeah, and I, I don't know what it... I didn't look that deep into it for the finish either, but that's never pretty at the end of those long ones. But Yeah. yeah just, well, yeah, I know that the, the course is isn't perfectly broken up, but your first third, you were 216-watt average, Part two was 220, which makes sense because you're hitting some of those big climbs. Yeah. And then the last third, you were at right at 200, so. Okay, yeah. It's too bad they can't put a power meter on your handlebars to figure out what you're doing with your upper body because especially on that last <laughs> 20 miles, it's real physical in those rocks. So, yeah, your back's destroyed. Yeah, your shoulders power are only cooked. tells part of the story there. For sure. Well, Alex, I really appreciate getting the recap. Uh, I know a lot of people love this race. Robbie Stout from Ritual Chocolate did a preview for us, and a lot of people really enjoyed it, and it got them hyped for the event. So I know a lot of people are going to love to hear your story on it. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, and thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, and we'll send them over to GearRush.com. Uh, like I said earlier, I was I was really surprised at how much you got on there and, and really good stuff at good prices. So check it out. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. All right. Thanks. We'll talk later. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you.